Last week we looked at the command of the Lord for us to pray for laborers. The multitude was, he looked out upon the multitude and was moved with compassion. And I'm passing out um, a little handout and we'll maybe give you uh, more from this people group and then maybe as we go along every Sunday give you a different people group. But there's a, a large population of Turkey, Turkish people that live in the country of Turkey and there's a number of Turks that live outside the country. But they're an unreached people group. The 59 million 258,000. And what's interesting about them is that they're kind of in a, in a, well, as it says here, they're in a link between Asia and the West. So they don't really fit into Asia and they don't really fit into the West, but they're in the middle. Actually, the government is a, fashioned after the government of France. It's a, a democracy. There's Islam is the chief belief, but uh, on the streets, the people are dressed in Western style and women are wearing pants and some of the older ones still, still hold to the head scarfs and the different things. One of the interesting things is in the middle of the first statement here is that many rural Turks twist their form of Islam through belief that men have the power to curse others by giving them the evil eye. They believe one is protected against this look by wearing blue beads, which the evil eye cannot face. Another way to avoid this is to spit in the fire and to pray to Allah. Well, that's humorous. You know, the evil eye. Uh, seemed like there was a, a little cartoon movie where there was a bunch of, um, uh, I remember a bunch of cats and the guy had an evil eye. I forget the name of that movie, but it's really heard of those. But um, the reality of it is this, is that uh, Satan is real. And the evil eye thing may have something to it because of the influence of demonic things. So pray for these people. Uh, because they're kind of an in-between between the West and the East, uh, maybe more open uh, to the gospel than, let's say, if you were in Saudi Arabia, where things are really tightly controlled. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16 and 17, we actually have four commands from the Lord, and we've grouped them together here. But he says in verse 16, Behold, and that word behold is a command. Look, see, understand, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore... Wise as serpents, there's the second command. He commands us to be wise 
as serpents and harmless as doves, another command. But beware, again a command, of men, for they will deliver you up to the council and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And so we've been looking into the commands that Jesus gave his disciples in the three and a half years of his ministry. And what has motivated that is in the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 19, not only does he say to go in all nations and make disciples and see people saved and baptize them, but he said we need to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And uh, these commands, as we mentioned to you before, they're not given to us to say, well, should I do that or do I feel like doing that? But we're to understand that they're commands given uh, by the king and he expects us to do it. And these commands are not addressed just to the mind and to the body uh, to, to uh, do them, but, they're, but there are commands uh, given to the heart. And the Lord has made it plain, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so the doing of these commandments is stirred from our love for the Lord and the desire to, to uh, please him. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. And so we find the commands here, behold, be wise, be harmless, and beware. As we've already mentioned in handing out the, the little pamphlet there, uh, in verse 38, uh, Jesus has said of chapter 9, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And then moving on into chapter 10. Um, when we come to chapter 10, we come to a real transition period in the discipling of the 12 and there was more than 12 following with the Lord but particularly the 12 the discipling of them that he Jesus had kept those men with him all this time letting them see his miracles and his power and the word of God being preached and the effectiveness of the gospel and and now he's coming to a place where it's time to send them forth on their own. And when we get into chapter 10, it's kind of interesting because uh, it's, it's uh, the evangelism that's described in chapter 10 is not exactly like what we're, we're under today, but it kind of telescopes across time. He begins by sending them to only to the children of Israel and commanded them not to go even to the, uh, to the uh, Samaritans or to the world. And, and then he's going to uh, give them some instructions. You'll find that uh, he talks about how that uh, 
um, the gospel is going to go uh, across throughout the world, and then he will come. And really, that's moving from beginning way on down to the tribulation time and, and uh, his coming again. But even though it spends all this time, and, and, and we're under a dif- different commission today than just going to the Jews, there's some real principles here, and, and uh, there's some things that we can gain from that that stretches across from the time that Jesus sent them forth uh, to this very day, some principles that apply to evangelism, and we'll look at that. But first, let's, answer, let's look at this question about why only to the Jews? You see in the verses 1 through 4, he names the 12, and then he says in verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and to any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is the deal? Did the Lord not die for the world? Does he not care for the Gentile people? Well, of course he does. When his birth was announced to the shepherds, the angels said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just one people group, uh, which are the Jews. When Jesus was taken to the temple to be circumcised, Simeon was in the temple, and Simeon said of Jesus, he's a light, to lighten the Gentiles. And so the Lord has always cared for uh, the world. In chapter 8 and verse 5, he commends a centurion, uh, a, a Roman citizen, a Gentile. And, and uh, we know that he went down to the Syrophoenician woman. But why, uh, why does he restrict the 12 in this point only to the Jews. Well, first of all, uh, Christ has chosen, God had chosen the Jews as a special people, and he said that uh, to, the, to the woman at the well, you know not what you worship. You, you, worship you, you worship you know not what, but we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews which means Jesus Christ, who came to the Jews. And so we must understand that God has always held this people group high, and he's kept them distinct, and the Jews have been a a cultural and a people group that have never assimilated completely into other groups of people. They've always been distinct and separate. And when he gets over in the book of Romans, Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation of everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And, and you know, as you study the book of Acts and you see Paul going from place to place, that he always went to the synagogues first. And so God, you know, <laughs> We, we need not be offended. We're all children of God by faith. 
But God's, but the Jews are a special group, and God has chosen to be a special group. I think a, a second reason that we could surmise why he hadn't sent them to the, to the Jews also, or to the Gentiles also, is that, uh, th- that uh, this ministry is uh, one, I mean, they're just starting out. And he's not going to overwhelm them with going to all the world, but he will later. And it's a ministry that he wanted them to just, they, they already had the word of God. They had the foundation in the word of God. And he begins with them. And, and Jesus himself said to, to, to the Syrophoenician woman, something that's kind of shocking and outstanding in that, that, that it stands out, not outstanding in a good way, but it stands out, is that he said to her when she was talking to him and was concerned for her soul, he said to her, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's a, that's a powerful passage, that whole passage, because he commends her faith being greater than any in all of Israel. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful passage to preach because he, she said, Yea, Lord, uh, you know, even he he said I'm not to give the meat to the I'm not to give meat to dogs and so he called her a dog and she and then she showed her great faith and he said Lord even the little dogs get the crumbs from the master's table and what she was saying is this or even a crumb from me will satisfy one dog great faith. A great passage, but nevertheless, we're saying that they didn't go to the Gentiles, and so by the time we get to Matthew chapter twenty-eight, we're going to find them. We're going to find them um, being commissioned to go into all the world. Now, note verses five through eleven. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, "Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and to any city." of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils, freely have received and freely give. And so the word of God, what these miracles are for, is that the word of God is confirming, being confirmed. That this, 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 Ministry, this, this, this uh, uh, Christ coming and beginning to start and form his church, that these miracles sanction, that these miracles put an approval upon it. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, and co- Inquire who is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And so, uh, Noah George doesn't function that way. Uh, he has some money. He has coats. He has he he has an income that comes from churches. And so that has changed. And uh, and what the idea here again is that. This telescopes, and some of the principles apply 
and some don't. And, and I, I was looking for these verses. But if you go over to chapter to verse 20, he says, For you, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And brother shall be delivered up by brother to death. And father the child, and children shall raise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. For he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Not that that saves them, but it identifies them being saved. But when they persecute you in the city, flee into the another. For very I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. And so that's, that's future. That's, that's uh, things that during tribulation time, things are going to get really tough. <laughs> and the Lord says, I'm going to be coming. But there's much said in here, as I've alluded to, that applies across the board. And those are found <coughs> in the verses that we uh, looked at this morning. When he says in uh, verse uh, 16, he says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as serpent and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they shall deliver you up to the council, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. The terminology has changed. When we was in, when he would say, "Pray the Lord of the harvest that He'd send forth laborers," he saw the those out there, those that were lost, those that that needed uh, a savior, as sheep. But now he speaks in terms of the disciples being sheep and the world full of wolves. And so he said, if you, when you go out witnessing, when you and I go out to witness, we go out as sheep among the wolves. And uh, that's not very complimentary sometimes. Sheep are dumb. They can go out a hole in the fence and never come back and find it. Sheep, of all the agricultural animals, are dependent upon the shepherd. He's got to watch them. They have to have a shepherd. They have to have someone that keeps them from straying. They have to be lots of diseases in sheep. And what we talked about last week, they can, they can get full and they can get in a hole and get what's called cast. Um, David said, why have I cast down, oh, my soul? And just be kicking their feet. They need a shepherd. And they're defenseless. I think it's very interesting that God didn't say, I'm going to send you forth as wolves. Go tear up the world with the gospel. Didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm going to send you forth as brave lions. Go conquer the world. And you should go forth singing, onward Christian soldiers marching on to war. That seems to come out of the Crusades more than it comes out of the Bible. And in fact, uh, if you have any 
illusion or any any kind of thinking that the Crusades were godly and they really accomplished a lot for Christianity, uh, you don't you don't understand what the Crusades was about. But he said, "I'm sending you forth as sheep." That might help us to understand in Romans chapter eight. There was a verse that often made me wonder. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 36, it says, For as it is written, for thy sake were killed all the day long, were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And here, in verse 22, he says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But he wants them to understand that when they go out, that in the regions that they go to, people aren't doing jumping jacks and all happy and that they finally come here. They don't want you there. They don't want to hear the message, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. I want you to go over to um, 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4 describes the sheep among the wolves. Look in verse 9. Paul's talking about his ministry. And he said, for, and he's kind of be in sarcasm here, but he says, for I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world. And so, going to the world with the gospel as a sheep among the wolves, you're a spectacle. We're seen as the offscouring of the world. He says, we are fools for Christ's sake. You share the gospel with someone, and either while you're there or after you, after you leave, when they talk about you, they'll call you, this guy's a stupid man. It's a fool. But you're wise in Christ. We are weak, but you're strong. You're honorable, but we're despised. Even at this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. Well, not very, 
very favorable. The filth and off-scouring. And uh, let's understand also that all the wolves are not out there. Some of them can come in here. Acts 20 says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Look here in chapter 10. There's really three points of attack upon the sheep going to the world. In verse 17, But beware of men, for they deliver you up to the council, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. That's a religious attack. We will hold to the truth of the word of God and say that you can't be saved if you're homosexual and you repent of that sin. And you go over to the Methodist church and they have a homosexual pastor in there. Attack upon Christians is going to be religious attacks. That's what the Jews did. Religious. There's one area of attack. And in verse 18, and you shall brought and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. The government's gonna get their fingers into it. Biden couldn't he knew that because, because the house was going to be taken over by uh, a, a little bit of majority of the Republicans and the Senate's going to be uh, Democrats and you know to pass a bill they have to have both the House and the Senate to approve the bill. That's why, he, that's why after the election he pushed so hard to legalize same-sex marriage. And if people oppose it, the government's going to intervene. And we find more and more of the government being anti-Christian. And that you can't proselyze. And then in verse 21, and brother shall deliver up brother to death and father the child and the child shall rise up against his parents and cause them to be put to death. Sheep are going to be attacked and have been attacked by religion, by government, and by their own family. Now we seem to be living in a day of uh, kind of re reprieve from that. Since the founding of our nation, in the beginning of it, you know, the Congregationalists, uh, the Puritans, persecuted the Baptist, but there was freedom of religion written into our Constitution, and we've kind of had a reprieve from that. We don't really have, if you ever read the Trail of Blood, and if you want to read it, we got some, we have a number that we can give out to you free of charge, but in the Trail of Blood, Millions and millions and millions of Baptists were killed and 
we're saying real Christians were killed for the sake of the gospel. And saying that baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. And if you're baptized as an infant, and then you trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to be really baptized. And that we don't seem to have that so much today. There's been a reprieve from that. And there could be a couple reasons for that. One could be that, that God has given grace in the hour and the day in which we live. But the second could be that our gospel isn't offensive. And boy, uh, the large majority of the presentation of the gospel in America today is not, <laughs> is not the gospel. It's not repentance and faith and forsaking your sin. He that covers your sin shall not prosper. He that confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. And uh, our underbellies have been shown to be soft. And so the first one here, beware or behold, you're going forth as sheep, understand that, understand that as Christians, we're sheep among the wolves. Understand that sheep are slaughtered. And understand that this world hates true Christians. Because they hate our Lord and our King. Now, here's what I want you to understand. That that the evangelistic outreach of Pike Road Baptist Church is absolutely doomed without the power of Christ. Now you need to get a hold of that. Evangelism is not a program. It's not a activity that you have orchestrated. I mean, we need to be busy about having a determination to go and show the Word of God at, at different times and maybe different hours. But it's not a program. It's not a formula. It's not, you get them... <laughs> I have, a, I don't know if I threw it away, probably did, but I had in my office a book on evangelism. Uh, and, and the guy was saying, you know, you, you, uh, you give them the Bible, I mean, you give them the gospel, you, you give them the Romans road, and you read those verses, and, and then you uh, talk about, you know, 
the salvation is a gift, and all you have to do is receive the gift. And, you know, if I gave you this Bible, what would it be, would it be to be yours? And, you, and you'd have to take it. And, and then he, he said he would maneuver them. You get them on their knees, and when you get them on your knees, then you say, you know, repeat after me. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and, and say the different things. And you've, and you've sold your vacuum. It was just a sales technique to get somebody to say something that uh, was not from the heart. I mean, it could be from the heart for maybe one out of 10,000. I don't know. But, but if we are sheep and we're stupid, and we are, and we're in need of help and guidance and direction, we need of protection, then uh, we, better, we better get on our knees and ask God to give us direction and guidance and protect us. Listen, there's only one reason why Noah George is still alive today. Only one reason, and that's because the Lord has been with him. You don't need to question that. In fact, there's many things that has happened that he does not tell this church. Secondly, we find the command, be wise as serpents. I never did like that term because where I grew up, uh, um, I grew up, whether I made this philosophy myself or got it from my relatives, I don't know. But my philosophy was the only good snake is a dead snake. I don't care if it was a water moccasin or a rattlesnake or a garter snake or some good snake that eats rats, you know. If he comes around me, his head's coming off. I hate snakes. Well, when you say wise as serpent, it was kind of in that culture, and specifically in the Egyptian culture, snakes were a symbol of being wise that they knew how to get around, they knew how to hide their shrewdness and cautiousness about them and wariness and looking around. They had perspective and they were circumspect. Circum means circumference, means around, and spect means to see. Colossians says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And so he's simply saying here, use wisdom in sharing the gospel. Say the right thing at the right time. Ask the Lord to help you to say the right thing at the right time. May there be fewer and fewer times when you leave an opportunity to share the gospel and you've done some and you just feel like it's been feeble and, and then you go away from it. Oh, I wish I would have said that. I wish I would have said that. Well, we need, we need the Spirit of God to help us there. And I think he's saying here also that 
we shouldn't go around trying to create havoc and stir the pot. I mean, if it's a group of men, and you know there's some men there that are vile and anti-God, and there's one man that you really want to witness to, wait till you can get him alone. There's a church in town that has a big billboard, and, and uh, I don't know what they're doing now, but on a number of occasions, they would put very controversial things up on the billboard. And it didn't open any doors. It opened no doors. It only offended people. They come to the Lord one time and they said, should we, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he could have said, Caesar's rotten, he's wretched, he's vile, he's no good, he's debauched, he's evil, he's a sinner, he's damned to hell forever. But he didn't say that. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and unto God the things that are God's. So I think sometimes in the name of evangelism, people go out and they are more offensive than anything. That, that now I know I'm not denying that the, that the truth doesn't offend people, but what I'm saying is, is the Bible says for us to be wise as serpents. Look for the opportunity. Look for when you can, you can present it. If you're putting out literature on a door and a guy comes and opens the door and says, I don't want any of this, why should you stand there and argue with him? And I know in training for my evangelism, they, they bring up all kinds of stuff. And they had this one story they told about a, a new convert uh, going with an older, older convert, an older Christian, and they were knocking doors. And they came to a door where, uh, where <coughs> the guy said, you know, I don't want to listen to this. I, I don't want, I want your literature. I don't want you on my porch. And the young guy, being the eager beaver, poked his hand right through the screen door and grabbed him right by the neck and said, you need to listen to this. Well, that's humorous, but that uh, accomplishes nothing. And so, let's be wise. And then he says, be harmless as doves. Harmless as doves. I've never known a dove to attack and kill any animal. They're known for their gentleness. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to acknowledgement of the truth and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. See, what I think that we need to get a grasp upon is that, that uh, it's not by might or by our power, but it's by the Lord. But what we need to get a grasp upon 
is what our sword is. It's not going to be our intestinal fortitude that wins the day. But the word of God. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You see, actually, actually, everybody that we talk to about uh, about the Lord and uses the Word of God, they're at a disadvantage. They're at a disadvantage. Understand that. That God's Word never returns void. It'll accomplish what I send it to do. That the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, discerning the very thoughts and intents of the heart. It goes right to the point. That's why they don't want you on your doorstep, because it's going right to where they don't want it to go. And so we don't have to be bulls in a china shop. Be harmless as doves. Paul says, for though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all, that I may gain the more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, and to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. And I made all things to, to all men, that I might by all means save some, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partakers thereof with you, that were made all things to all men. And you see, uh, sometimes we just don't want to be bothered. Christ said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And then he says, the last command there in verse 17, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the council, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. Beware of men. You see, uh, sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes, let's say, let's say that somebody from um, KOIN, I don't somebody from uh, the television station in town comes out and they want to interview Pastor Denroy. Well, Sometimes those situations or interviews are given so they can put you in a bad light. Beware. Beware of what men are trying to do. Beware of their, beware of their motives. Beware of putting you in a compromising situation. 
and the world wants to compromise with us. Way early here, we put uh, Caleb and Jordan in, in T-ball. The coach was a Mormon, but Caleb and Jordan were pretty much an integral part of the team, this little T-ball where they, there's no big deal it was to them. <laughs> but, but boy, he was upset that they wouldn't play on the Wednesday night games. But they weren't going to. He says, I wouldn't even let them to. And when they grew up, they had those same convictions after they were born again. But we can be put in a compromising situation. We can be put in a bad light. And so, let's be smart. And so we come to the crisis. That we need to be whole. That we're going forth as sheep. And sheep need to be guided. Sheep need to be protected. Sheep need to be led. And uh, we need we need the Lord's presence and his guidance and bringing thoughts to our minds. It's going to go on here and say, you know, that don't, don't uh, determine what you're going to say when you're brought before the courts, but in that hour, the Lord will help you say what you need to say. We need God's presence in our lives when we go to witness and as we live day by day. And, and when I say go to witness, I think that's kind of wrong because we're excluded to our Great Commission Day. <laughs> when you get out of bed and start up your car and go to work, you're going as a sheep into a world of wolves, but a people that Christ died for. And all of the wolves that are out there, we're not to treat them as enemies. And so be whole and be wise. Don't be stupid in your evangelistic endeavors. Be harmless and beware again of men. And so the greatest thing I got out of this was uh, if the Lord does not help me and help you, and if I'm not aware, you know, if, we, if we're out hunting and we, we, we saw some grizzly bears around, the alertness is cranked up. And we, need it, we live in a world where we need to be aware Aware of what's going on around us. Aware of opportunities. When catastrophes come to certain nations, that might be a great opportunity to gear up and get there and talk to them. Somebody's house burns down next door to you. A great opportunity. Beware of opportunities to share Christ. But it's kind of um, 
intimidating for a sheep to be kicked out of the pasture and right outside the gates there's this slobbering, salivating wolf. But I want to close with Matthew 28 and 19 and we're going to eventually get there of his commands. But he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, that is, see people saved, that teaches to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things to what I have commanded you. Actually, actually the word go is not the command of this passage. Go is really going. He never thought that we wouldn't go. He always considered we would be going. And so it says, in going, teach all nations. That's the command. See people saved. Baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things. But there's another command. And it says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. There's a little tiny word there. Lo. You know, it's not, Lo, what are you doing over there? Hello. No, it's the same word as behold that we saw in our commands. And they say, Lo. Okay, go do this. But lo, he's commanding you, understand. Understand this. I'm commanding you to understand this. I'm with you. Here comes a wolf. But the shepherd is with us. And they're not going to get us unless the shepherd wants them to. Unless our service for him is over. And so we can sing the song if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Tis heaven to me, wherever I be, if he is there. We're not going alone. We never witness alone. But he said, there's a tendency for us to get out of line. Be wise. Be harmless. Don't think that you have to fight my battle for me. I'm here. I'm with you. And the word of God will not return void. All right? We're not, we're not sheep shaking in our <laughs> hooves or whatever you want to say. But we're his children taking the word of God, which is quick and powerful, and our shepherd who knows how to deal with wolves. Okay? You're just looking at me. Let's all gear up and get going. All right? We're dismissed.